All right. So this past week at camp, as you heard them say, the, the students were challenged. Uh, the, the theme of the camp, as you see on your bulletin, is genuine. How, do, how are we genuine? It makes sense for us. I kept saying the word authentic because authentic life church, right? But, but how do they be genuine and real and authentic as Christians and followers of Jesus? Uh, this week, uh, they began focusing, if you heard them say, they focused on salvation and having that new life in Christ. And then they began to dive into what it means and what it looks like to live out a genuine faith. And so this goal, or this morning, our goal as we hear from, as we heard from these youth and what God did in their life this week and what they learned is to continue in what they talked about and bring some truth uh, from God's word, but not only to encourage them and to continue to be genuine and live it out, but it's a message for each of us. So this isn't just for the youth that went this week. This message is for all of us. And here's the reality. It's one thing to follow Christ at church or in our life groups or at camp or around other believers. Amen? I mean, that's, that's one thing. We need to do that. But it's another thing to be faithful and genuine as we leave these doors and go out into the world and sometimes into our homes. We, we come here and we act one way and we're different behind our doors, behind closed doors. And so our goal is how do we be genuine? And so this morning, God laid on my heart a passage from 1 Peter, uh, really addressing the question, how do we live for Christ in this world? In a world that doesn't pursue holiness, in a world that, that doesn't follow Jesus, in a world that doesn't go to church camp, in a world that, for the most part, rejects God and his word. How do we remain faithful and genuine in our faith and walk with Jesus? And so before we dive in uh, into First Peter, let me give you a little bit of background, because this is going to be really important as we uh, go over this passage, but let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on and why Peter is writing to this group of Christians uh, in these churches. Here, here's what's happening in their lives um, that Peter's writing to. So Jesus, we're, we're walking through the book of Mark, and just so you guys know, I'm a little sad. Next week, we're wrapping up the book of Mark. And if you're new, we've been walking through that for quite some time, verse by verse by verse, and just uh, walking through that and seeing the life and ministry of Jesus. And next week, we will finish that, um, we'll finish that sermon series. So if you see me depressed or something this week, that's why. It's just been a really good study for us. Um, but after Jesus died on the cross, Jesus resurrected. Amen, church? He, he resurrected from the dead, and he's ascended into heaven. And not long after that, Peter gives this great sermon, and about 3,000 people give their life to Jesus, and they're saved from their sins. And so we have this church, and the, the people of God, they just begin to, to grow and grow. And the Bible tells us throughout Acts that the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. But as the church grew and more surrendered their lives to Jesus, the persecution against them, the hatred against them, the, the rejection grew as well. Christians were not only living contrary to what the culture around them had said, but they were also mistreated. The Christians were, they were targeted. They were falsely accused of things that they didn't do. They would experience their families disowning them. They lost friends. They lost jobs. And so I would say it was difficult to follow Jesus in that time. Are you with me? And, and that happens throughout our world today. We are blessed in the United States of America. Amen. We're, we're, we're about to celebrate the 4th of July. We are a blessed nation. But they, this is still happening throughout the world. And so they're, they're finding it extremely difficult to be faithful and genuine. And then sometime near 65, 64 AD, there was an emperor named Nero. Uh, and this emperor caused a lot of persecution and difficulty for Christians in the Roman Empire. During his reign, it was known that, that Nero really wanted to kind of wipe the, the, the city out, the, the area out, and rebuild. 
And so all of a sudden, there's a fire that destroys this whole area. It, 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 they, they lost a lot of their history. Some of the buildings that they were in, they just lost a lot of things. And so when this fire happened, people started turning against Nero because they were sure that he was the one that caused the fire. And so what he did, he knew people were turning against him. And so what Nero did was he directed the blame towards the Christians. And why not? And from his perspective, why not? He knew Christians were already disliked. He knew they were already hated. He already knew they were the weird ones. And so here's what happened. He sent word out that they were responsible for that fire. And so guess what? Persecution against God's people just continued to grow. And so the Christians that Peter is writing to, they're facing two issues. They're wanting to follow Christ. They're wanting to be genuine in their faith. But they lived in a culture that rejected and hated everything they believed in. They were counterculture to those people. And so it made it difficult. And, to make, and the second thing, to make it even more difficult, they were, they were hated and persecuted. Man, we, we got kids coming back from camp. We're going to go to work tomorrow. Some of us are at work right now, right? And so Doug had to leave and go to work. That's what that meant. You're like, I'm sitting right here. What do you mean I went to work? So man, we're going to go back out into the world. And the challenge is, is and, and this is why I think God laid this passage on my heart, the challenge is how do we continue to live for Christ? If these guys can do it, we can do it. Amen. Right? Are you with me, church? And so, and so this brings us to our text in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open that up this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in your row. If not, take your neighbors and, and uh, steal their Bible. But we're going to be in 1 Peter where Peter is sending this letter to encourage these believers and answer some questions. He's going to answer the question, how is the church, how are followers of Christ able to remain faithful and live for Jesus? Students, you come home from camp. How are you to live out a faith that is genuine while you're still living in this world where it's difficult? Us, as we go out back into the world and we're not sitting in church or our life groups, how do we live a life that is genuine? So we're going to give us some things to think about this morning from this, from this passage. So let's read these two verses from 1 Peter chapter 1 in the first two verses and see how we can be encouraged and live out a faith that is real and genuine. Read this together. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Let's pray before we dive in this morning. God, we, we love you. And we thank you that you are continually at work in our lives. We're we're grateful that you are in charge. God, we are grateful that you are God and we are not. Father, we don't there may be someone in here today that says, Man, we're gonna talk a lot about Jesus that says, I don't know Jesus. I've never been saved. And we pray, God, that you would draw them near to, to you today. God, we pray, Lord, that we as as followers of Christ would would take what we hear from Peter and, and learn and grow and apply that to our life this week. So God, we ask all that in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. The Bible tells us throughout Scripture that we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's hard. We live in a world where it's, there's a lot of shiny things, right? A lot of sinful, shiny things, and it's, it's hard to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's hard to live as he calls us to live, but he calls us to do that and grow in our faith and our walk, and he calls us to point other people to Jesus. And so these people that Peter is writing to are living in a world that, that makes that life very difficult. We live in a world where it can be difficult to truly follow Jesus. 
students, you're going to go back to school, right? We're going to go back to work, and, and you're going to see a different world than what we see here on Sunday and what we see at camp. And it can be difficult to follow Jesus. And these people that Peter's writing to are needing some encouragement. Many throughout our world today are still facing the types of persecution that these men and women faced back then. And so there's this encouragement. They needed to be encouraged and they needed hope. And so they get this letter from Peter that, as we know from, from the, uh, 2 Timothy, that it's, it's, it's God-breathed. It's the word of God. And so it says in verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens. We'll talk about that. Scattered throughout these different areas, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And then it says, who are chosen? So what we have here is basically Peter's introduction to his letter, telling them, this is who I am, and this is who I'm writing to. These guys would have looked up to Peter, right? You guys have a person in faith that's, that's a lot bigger than you in the faith that you would look at and say, man, that's my spiritual hero, right? That's kind of Peter for them. They knew he was a man that walked with Jesus and that, that, that God was using him. They knew that he had been through what they are going through. Peter wasn't... Just because he walked with Jesus, he, he suffered. He, he was persecuted. In fact, two years after he, around two years after he writes this letter, Peter gives his life because he followed Jesus. And Peter was crucified, but he, he made it clear, I don't want to be crucified like Jesus, and so they crucified him upside down. But within this introduction, we see two really important realities, two realities that gave them and hopefully will give us hope and, and peace as we walk through this world to live for Jesus. The first truth is huge. And I think it's church, it's really vital that we get this. And so if, we, if you walk out here today and say, man, I can only remember one thing from today, I want you to remember this. If you know Jesus, if you're saved, as, as we follow Christ in this world, as we pursue being authentic and real and genuine, Peter is telling them about those that follow Jesus that, that we belong to him. We belong to him. If we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can say this. These are some notes for your, the back of your bulletins. I belong to him. I belong to God. I belong to Jesus. Will you guys say that with me? I belong to him. Ready? I, I belong to him. What a great truth that, that we belong to him. Here is where we see this in this passage. Notice what Peter says and how he addresses them. He, he's writing to them. He, he says to those who are aliens, right? We'll get to that point in a minute. But then he says a little bit later, who are chosen. To those who are chosen. These were God's people. They were his church. They were those that were called out by God for a, for a purpose. This phrase that, that we are chosen describes our, our, our status before a great God. People, these people that he's writing to, they're struggling. They don't, they don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they can make it. They don't feel like they can keep doing what, what God is calling them to do. But when Peter says this to them, that they are chosen, right? They're chosen from God or of God, that they belong to God. It's like they're hearing God say these words. Hey, guys, I know you're scattered, right? I know, I know you're scattered. I know you don't feel like you belong. I, I know you're being persecuted. I know times are tough, but don't forget, you belong to me. You belong to me. You belong to God. You belong to the creator, the sustainer, and savior of this world. Anybody remember elementary school? We'll just start there, right? And did you guys remember when you guys went out for recess or gym class and you would be on teams and you'd get the top two guys or gals at kickball or dodgeball? By the way, our kids tore it up in dodgeball this week, right? And Sam got torn up. I don't know, man. After two days, he says, I'm done with dodgeball, but... But have you ever, you ever do that where you go and you've got these guys or gals that are picking the teams? Do you guys remember what it felt like to not be picked? Right? Do you ever, felt, do you ever know what it felt like to, to be on the, the sidelines and be the last one picked? And it's like, no, no, you can have him. Right? 
Do you remember what it felt like to be picked, to be chosen, to be on that guy's team? This is so much bigger than that. You have been chosen not by a kickball team captain in fifth grade, but you've been chosen by God himself. And Peter is reminding them, I know that the world around you looks at you like you're crazy. I know that you're being persecuted. I know it's tough, but guess what? You belong to God. I belong to him. Amen, church? Man, if we're saved, we can say, I belong to him. Because remember, it was Jesus. Let's talk about what it means and how we come to to belong to him. It was Jesus that came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus wasn't a guy that just came to be a good guy and ended up being one of the most important men in history. I was reading a survey the other day. I'm such a nerd with surveys. But anybody else like that? Somebody help me out. Okay, we got one. Great. All right. But I'm such a nerd with surveys, and this was done by a non-religious group at all. This guy is not a, a Christian by any means, and, and he did this survey and did some research, and he had said that the most important events in all of history, he lists the life of Jesus. This is a non-believer, lists the life of Jesus as the third most important event in all of history. And Jesus didn't come just to be the most important or the third most important event in, in history. What he came to do was to seek and to save the lost, to be the savior of the world. Amen, church, right? He came to seek you. He called you and said, come and follow me. And if we are obedient to his calling, if you place your trust and your faith in Jesus as your savior and Lord, and you say, God, I'm going to turn from my sins and I'm going to turn to you, then God's word said that you're saved. And that you belong to God, not just for a little bit, but for eternity. Church, he pursued you. He might still be pursuing you. And here's the thing. We didn't, we like to take credit for a lot of things. We're prideful people. But he didn't, we didn't initiate this relationship, right? Jesus was the initiator of this relationship. It was his initiation, his doing. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. Jesus, in his grace, gave us what we never deserved. He offers us salvation. We hear the gospel and we respond to his calling in our life. But it's Jesus that offers that relationship. And church, he is a faithful God. And when we, and when we are saved, he says, guess what? You belong to me. Where do we see that? Romans 14.8 says this, for if we live, we live for the, to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, say this with me, ready? We are the Lord's. Romans 8, man, read that passage. It reminds us that we are adopted by God. Permanent children of God. And that we get to call him Abba. We get to call him Father. Abba is a personal, intimate word for, for like what we would say, Daddy. No, we get to call him, we get to call him Father, Abba. And his word is full of promises that we, if you're saved today, man, you can just, if you've trusted in Jesus as Lord of your life, we can know that we're his. Galatians 3.26 says, for in Christ Jesus, you're all, so if we know Christ, right, we are all sons of God through faith, right? We're children of God. John 10, I love this promise. He says, I give them eternal life. We didn't earn it. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish talking about an eternal eternal like separation from God in a place called hell and he says and no one will snatch them out of my hand guys i could do this all day because i'll tell you what how sweet it is to hear that i am his and that i belong to god he is faithful and here's the thing guys when times get tough anybody anybody never had a hard time in here 
right? When times get difficult, I can remember, it doesn't matter if people reject me, if people say things bad about me, it doesn't matter if I lose my job or whatever it is, I can say that I am his and he is mine. Amen, church? Not because of what I've done, because I would mess that up, but because of his goodness and his love and his grace. You don't need to respond to this this morning, but does anybody here need to hear that this morning, that you belong to God? There's just something special about belonging to him. And so, pardon my voice, I lost it this week a little bit. Peter opens up this letter by saying, you were chosen, you were called out, you belong to him, you belong to God. Peter could tell you firsthand that there will be days that are hard. There's going to be seasons in your life that will be tough and trying. And you might even feel like, where are you, God, right? We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world, right? We We don't blame that on God. The ways of this world don't line up with the ways of Jesus, The ways of Satan don't line up with the ways of God, right? And so there's going to be times of opposition. There's going to be times of difficulty. But we can walk through them and we can face them and stand firm knowing that if we've given our life to Jesus, we can know that we belong to him. We belong to the creator of all things. We belong to the one that sits on the throne. And when we know that we're his, that changes the way we live. Changes the way we live. So Peter reminds them whose they are, that they're God's, that we're his, and, and as we follow Christ and we want to be genuine, even when it's hard, our first truth is this, I belong to him. I belong to him. And the second truth is this, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. What does that mean, that we don't belong here? Let's look at what Peter says. It says in verse 1, to those, Peter, Peter identifies himself, and then he's writing to those who reside as aliens. Scattered throughout these places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. He refers to God's people as aliens. It says to those who reside as as aliens. We're in a culture right now where we're not calling them aliens right now, but we're in a, a culture where we know a lot about that area, right? We know a lot about the immigration and what it means to be a, an, an alien. And Peter is saying, you who belong to Jesus, you are residing here in this world, but you're you're residing here in this world as aliens, as strangers in a foreign land. Really, it it gives the idea of of a residential foreigner. That's really what that is. And so it might have been confusing for some of these people because a lot of them were from this area. They would say, man, I'm, I'm from Galatia. I'm from Pontus. I'm from Cappadocia, right? I'm from these places. And some were from other places, but, but this was home to many of these Christians now. So what in the world is Peter talking about? Here's what Peter's talking about. Peter is reminding them that not only do they belong to God, but because they belong to him, they belong with God. Does that make sense? They belong to God, and therefore they belong with God. You see, Peter wasn't talking about their physical address and their citizenship in those areas. Peter was talking about their eternal home. Peter was talking about the relationship with with God. And with them belonging to Christ, their eternity was with God. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 3.20. He writes this. For our citizenship is where, church, is... Almost. Let's try again. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we will also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For them, their residency in the empire of Rome, it it was earthly. It was for a short while. I'm grateful to be born in the United States of America. I am thankful for my citizenship here. Amen, church? Man, I'm thankful for that. But my primary residency is with God. This is a temporary residency. 
When we think about eternity, this is not our forever home. This is where God has us for right now. Their eternal citizenship, our eternal citizenship is with God. It's in heaven with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as Christians, we live in a world where many of the values and beliefs and, and of those that are around us, they don't line up with God. They don't line up with the word of God and what he designed. And so when we pursue a life that God intended us to live, the world around us makes us feel a little bit like we don't belong. I felt that way. Man, I, I'm going to tell you, I was hanging out with these young people um, and just we had a night where they responded to just feeling out of place and feeling maybe they were depressed or had anxiety. Man, I just, I would not want to be a, a young person today, man. Pray for our young people. Amen, church? Man, pray for our young people. They're, it's a dark world out there. Uh, I remember my dad used to say growing up, sorry dad, but he used to say growing up, man, we had it harder than you. Well, that wasn't true then and it's not true now. They've got it harder. I'm just telling you. Man, we, we, we get to work with them all the time. It's just, it's tough. This world is not our home. We're temporary residents, and Peter is telling these guys, this isn't your forever home, so keep eternity in mind as you live for Jesus. Keep your eyes on him and make that eternity your focus. Why was it important that they understood this? Because they were being rejected. Anybody ever been, you don't have to raise your hand, anybody been rejected because of their faith, right? They felt like they had no place. They were losing family, they were losing their jobs, right? They lost friends. They, they, they needed to understand that they belonged to someone and they belonged to the creator. They belonged to God and that they were followers of Jesus. And here's the hard part. When we're walking through a hard time, when we're walking through persecution, it can be easier sometimes to just say, okay, behind closed doors at church, I'll be a Christian, but I'm just going to fit in when I'm at work. I'm just going to get comfortable and stop walking with the Lord around, around the world because it makes it easier. Then I don't have to go through this. And when that happens, we begin to look more and more like the world around us and less and less like Jesus. So Peter's telling them, guys, remember, you belong to God. Man, you, you, you belong to him and you don't belong here. But then you ask, okay, all right, Peter, I belong to God and I don't belong here. But if you can't tell, I'm still here right now, Right? So, so, so what do I do now? God, God, you, you have me here for a reason, right? You still have me here. I'm going through this for a reason. So how do I make it in this world? I don't know about you, but for me, I'm pumped that one day I get to spend eternity with my Savior. I'm excited that this world is only temporary, but I'm still here, right? So now what? What do we do? How do we live? Because I still live. They're thinking this. You guys can say this. I still live in a world that opposes Jesus. I still live here in a culture that's hostile to the word of God. I, I'm still living in a world where in certain parts of the globe, people are losing their lives because they gave their life to Jesus. By the way, just so you guys know, persecution against Christians is growing each and every day. It doesn't make it in the news. But people are losing their, their life for following Christ. But I'm going to tell you the same thing. Or I'm going to tell you along with the same thing. The church is growing in those areas. More people are giving their life for Christ in those areas. And so I live in a world where it's hard to live for Jesus. Students, you come back, right, and you're like, okay, it was easy at camp, but now I've got to go into this world where it's hard to live. I'm going back into world where, in, in, into work where it's, where it's tough, right? Or maybe I've got family members that don't know Christ, and so it's tough. So what do we do now? And I believe Peter answers those questions in verse 2 with three things for us to keep in mind. So let's look there. He says this, talking to those that belong to God. He says, according to the foreknowledge, those that are chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. 
May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. I really do we ha- wish we had a little bit more time to dive deeper into this. But here's what we're talking about here. This is talking about, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, that's talking about a relationship with him, the fact that I'm his, the fact that I don't belong here, and one day I'm going to be home with Jesus. But Peter, with that statement, is also reminding them this. God's in control. And we serve a sovereign God. God is in control. In church, nothing happens without him allowing it. And nothing happens in your life without him being there with you while it happens. Nothing happens outside of him. And that should give us great comfort because while we are here, while we're serving Christ and, and going to church, serving one another and, and loving the world, while we're living in a, in a world that rejects Christ, we can say, while I'm here, I know my God has a plan. While I'm here, I know my God has a plan. Church, he's in control. He's in control of my life. He's in control of your life. He's in control of the world. While the world around us seems to be falling apart, I can know God has a plan. All things happen according to the foreknowledge of God, and he already knows all the details of our lives before they're even lived out. Whatever you're walking through right now, God already knows. And I'm going to tell you, church, there's some people in our church that are walking through some stuff right now. God knows. God knows, but you're still his, and you still belong to him, or you still belong with him. For me, man, I struggle with anxiety. It's When I read a passage like this, I take great comfort, and I can learn to set aside the anxiety and worry because I know my God has a plan. The second thing is this. While I'm still here, I know the Holy Spirit is at work. This, this kind of stuff just reminds us we're not doing this alone. Amen, right? Verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the, Holy, of, the, of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in every circumstance in our life, setting us apart from God and for the full fulfillment of God's plan. So here's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us. You ever been convicted? Right? Somebody talks about my conscience. I said, my conscience got a name. It's called the Holy Spirit. Amen? Like, does he convict you or what, man? It's like, man, he just, man, he, he convicts us. He convicts us to know that we need Jesus, right? And he's continually, once we come to know Christ, he's continually working in our lives to help us grow to who Jesus has called you to be. He's continually working in our lives to guide us, to lead us, to convict us, while the world around us seems to be walking further and further away from Jesus and his design. We've got the Holy Spirit working in our lives working in our lives, leading us, helping us, comforting us, counseling us, all things the Bible says, convicting us, battling with our flesh as we read in Galatians so that we can live in a world and live lives that are genuine. Here's the truth, guys. As you walk for Jesus, you're not doing it alone. You're not doing it alone. You, are, you belong to the God that is in charge of all things. We belong with him for eternity. God's got a plan And we've got the Holy Spirit at work within us. And Jesus promises us that when we come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit just enables us to do what we're called to do. And so even in this dark world, we can continue to grow into the followers of Jesus that he intends us to be. Because God has a plan and the Holy Spirit is at work in you. And so finally, I know I belong to him and I belong with him, but I'm still here. So what do I do? I know I must pursue following Christ. I know I must pursue following Christ. One of the challenges to the youth this week was, man, you're saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. I'm going to do this. And it's easy at camp. It's easy while we're here. But are we obedient to Christ in every area of our life, in every circumstance around all people? If 
Following Christ means making it our way of life, no matter who we're around or where we are. So all of verse 2 says, talking about the chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. People, or Peter writes that while we're in this world, we must know that we belong to a loving God. We must know that we belong with him. But while we're still here, we can have confidence because God is in control. He's got a plan, right? It's going to be accomplished. While we're still here, we can be assured and have hope that the Holy Spirit is still working through us and, and giving us the ability to do what we need to do. And that leads us to this, that in our lives, we must obey Christ. We must obey God's word. God's plan and, and, and the Spirit working on our lives, leading you and me to live our lives out in obedience to Jesus. And I can imagine these Christians reading this and thinking that when it comes to following Jesus, being obedient, man, you don't, you don't know how tough it is. Peter, well, they, he does, but that's why he's the guy to write this, right? But guys, you don't, you don't know how tough it is. If I go out there and I'm be obedient to, 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 to Jesus, I might lose my job. I might lose my wife. I might lose my friends. And then above and beyond that, we're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up in our lives. Man, we mess up. We're still sinners. But here's the great thing for us as Christians. Jesus died for those sins. Jesus died for sins before. He he died for the ones you're going to do today and the ones that you're going to do tomorrow. He died for your sins. Christ shed his blood. And when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can know that we are sprinkled with his blood. We are still sealed. Even when we sin, we are sealed. We are still forgiven. We are still covered by his blood. We are still his. We still belong at a home that's not here but with Jesus. Because if salvation was up to us, we would lose it real quick. The sprinkling of his blood is a picture of the covenant. It's the, the relationship that, that we have with Jesus. And a picture for those that, that, that are Christ, that we are covered, that we're his. And he finishes up his sentence by saying, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. We don't earn what Jesus did for us. There's no way we can earn that. There's no religious activity that we can do to earn his love or his salvation. And I think it's important to say that because that's a teaching. Man, when you get, how many of you guys have talked with people? Man, I talk to people all the time that said, I think when I get to heaven, my good will outweigh my bad. Church, I'm just going to tell you, there's no other way to say it. That's a lie from hell. There's nothing, nothing we can do to earn Jesus and salvation. It's just him calling us and us responding to him. And giving our life to him. We simply receive it. We receive his grace. We receive his mercy. And we just say we respond and we give our lives to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that his grace and mercy will overflow out of our lives. And so here it is, church. How do we live a genuine life for Christ? We live it with these truths in mind. We have to know that we're his. When you walk out of here, young people, camp people, man, you walk out of here and say, I belong to God. And I don't belong here. I belong with Jesus for eternity, which means we live with eternity in mind. Our eternity in mind. Also others' eternity in mind. When we think about who's your one and praying for someone that doesn't know Christ, are you living with your neighbor's eternity in mind? Guys that are here today, do you know your neighbors, first of all? And second of all, do you know where they're going to spend eternity? Are you living with eternity in mind? And we can live for Jesus knowing that God is in control, that the Holy Spirit's at work within us. He's equipping us and comforting us and empowering us. 
And we can be, and how do we live out genuine faith? We live in obedience to Jesus. Sometimes we pick up this Bible, don't we? We pick up this Bible and we say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And, I, and I'm not picking on any, it's not about denominations. I'm not picking on, I'm not doing that. But there are some denominations, there are some churches. There are, by the grace of God, for us at Authentic Life, we will remain faithful to the word of God. Amen, church? From, from here, all, all of us. But there are, there, are, there are some churches and there's some, maybe we're doing it in our own lives. We, maybe we look and we're like, okay, Jesus, I'm good here. I'm going to do this. I, I'm, I'm with you here. Yeah, I, I just can't. This doesn't line up with who I am as American, right? This doesn't line up with my political party. This doesn't line up with, with my job. This doesn't line up with how I want to talk. This doesn't line up with my sexuality. This doesn't line up with how I identify. Are you with me, church? Man, we do that. We grab a hold of the word of God and we pick and choose. And we, to, to live genuinely for Christ, we need to follow and obey the word of God. Amen, church? Man, that's what we need to do. And so... I'm going to tell you, man, this is a much deeper passage that I intended to do, but this is the one that God laid on my heart. We've got to know that we're his, right, and that we belong with him, but we're still here. And while we're still here, we've got God with us, right? Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you to the end of the age. But we've got to be obedient. That's how we live out. Amen, church? Are you with me? And so this week, man, just whatever, we're going to give you guys some quiet time right now. God, what area of my life, maybe you're going to sit here, go ahead and close your eyes. What, God, what area, do I, do I even know you? Do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or am I just religious? Am I just the, the, the one that just kind of goes to church and does the next thing? Have I ever surrendered my life to Jesus Christ for salvation? If you're sitting here today and you say, man, I've never done that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. Have you done that? Maybe you're saved and you say, man, I'm not genuinely walking for Christ. I'm a different man or a woman or student at work than I am at church. I'm different at home than I am in my small groups. I'm different with my neighbors. This isn't just a challenge for the young people. That went to camp. This is a challenge for every single one of us. First of all, do we know Christ? And if we do, are we genuinely living out our faith each and every day? Just give you guys a moment just to have that quiet time with God before we go on this morning.